So today in the reading corner, I'm really pleased to be introducing Richard Lambert, and he's going to talk today about his latest novel, Shadow Town. It's the second children's novel, the first being uh, Wolf Road, which was really well received and we know uh, was the Sunday Times book of the week. Anyway, we're really excited to know more, Richard. So can we start by talking a little bit about you and the writing that you've done? Because although you're relatively new to children's writing, you've written poetry, um, writing is not a new thing, is it? No, I've been writing my whole life. I started my writing my first, what I hoped would be my first novel when I was about 12. (laughs) That was a fantasy novel, actually, because when I was a child, I used to love adventure stories and fantasy novels. And I taught myself to type at that age as well, because I thought that's what a writer would have to. And then started writing poetry as a teenager and then just wrote poetry, really, until I was about 30 and decided that I wanted to write a novel. And that was when I started writing my first novel. And and that took me about five years. And parts of that actually are getting to Shadowtown, the world. It's changed a lot, but that world enters into Shadowtown. Like the character of Tamerlane is from that novel. And then it just sort of came, well, it never went away, really. But then I was writing other things. I've actually lost count now how many novels I've written. Of the different genres, written several children's books for young readers, teenagers. And then I've written seven or eight novels. And then I did an MA in creative writing. So, you know, I've got various jobs during all this time. Mm-hmm. So, so I started writing the one with Tamerlane in the year 2000. So I've been properly trying to write fiction for 20 years. Finally got an agent after 12 years trying to get an agent. And then a few books went out that didn't get taken. Then The Wolf Road went out, didn't get taken. And then, you know, everything with words sort of started up as a new publisher sent to Mika there. And, you know, I was gobsmacked when she, she said she loved it. And the success it had made a real difference to the way I think about myself as a writer. That's really great to hear. So it's interesting to hear you talk about the story. At the moment, listeners won't uh, know what we're referring to, but we'll come on and explain that this story that includes this character, Tamerlane, and the idea of, you know, in writing of how things are not wasted, really, but they can sit there for a period of time um, gestating until the time is right for them to re-emerge again, and sometimes yeah. in a completely different story. Yeah, so this, um, so Shadowtown, there's the story of Toby, who's a boy from, you know, our world, who goes, enters another world, Balthazar, where he encounters Tamerlane. And it's kind of about their, both their journeys, really. Primarily Toby, he's the hero, but mm-hmm. she, I sort of see her as a, equally significant character but it was kind of Toby's I was thinking about Toby and you know the difficulty of being young and not quite understanding the world or getting things wrong Mm -hmm. people and relationships and so he was my main character and I was following him and it joined into Tamerlane's world. So Toby is about 12 isn't he? Yeah. um, Story and he's got a difficult family life he's desperate to seek the approval of his father who just seems too busy too engrossed in his own world and his own occupations 
And he sort of internalizes this a little bit as though it's his fault that he can't get the approval of his father. Partly that might be something that he has to learn in the story that it's not always your fault when things don't work out. Yes, his dad's a political speech writer and wants to be a creative writer and novelist himself. And he's become a selfish man. Mm. And uh, yeah, it is about Toby's. Toby does seek approval from him. And uh, yeah, part of his journey is realising about his father, that his father's a selfish man. There's another character, though, that we haven't mentioned who's pretty important. And that's the cat, Alfred. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so just like Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz has Toto, Toby has Alfred. That's right, yes. The cat became important to me and is is actually based on a neighbourhood cat that comes to my garden here. And it's just, I just find it very comical just by his kind of slowness and, and kind of gloominess in his kind of the way of being. But, um, you know, I've made him a very devoted and a bit cantankerous, but also very protective of Toby and yeah, their relationship and, and Toby's kind of desire to protect Alfred and, and similarly the way Alfred saves the day at various points. And it also gives a lightness oh. to something that might feel quite heavy and, and it certainly is dark in places, but you need that. So, you know, maybe it adds that tone as well. Yeah, I definitely wanted the lightness and I realised it was dark. And at times, I, I mean... It, for me, I'm not sure as I'm writing, I realise there's a sort of a responsibility to readers, especially when they're young. And so I was feeling uncertain, still feel uncertain. Is Have I made it too dark? And I, I don't know. But um, I wanted lightness and I wanted actually the language to have lightness as well. And I wanted there, I wanted it to be uh, an adventure story because I mm. love adventure stories. So I wanted it to have sort of serious themes. Mm. If it's got some relevance to our contemporary world, even though it's set in another world, you know, to bigger themes, not not just the sort of relationship of the, the boy Toby to his family mm-hmm. and school, etc. But yeah, I wanted to have the larger themes, but I wanted it to be in, really enjoyable and silly as well, and 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 a bit fanta- and fantastical. Just thinking about how the novel starts, there's a set piece really isn't there before the novel proper which is to do with the shadow yes. oh my gosh how I loved that I mean that is really thrilling but it is appropriately scary I don't think children are going to find it too scary but I love that set piece did you start writing that or is that something that you put on after you'd finished the, the novel in the first draft it did start with the shadow but it wasn't in the town going places but over the years I developed the city much more and it so it was it was the journey of the shadow coming into our world but I developed the city much more so I thought oh well this is a good way to you know show the reader the city as well as the character so I I could um kind of set some things up there but yeah no so in this draft I can't Although I had that original draft, I, re- I wrote it from scratch. I wrote the whole novel from scratch. I think I used maybe 5 to 10% of the original, and that was just little bits. And um, so, no, that I, when I started writing this draft, that was what I started with. Yeah, I enjoyed that. 
<laughs> I could tell you'd enjoyed it because yeah. of the way it was written and it's uh, a very visual. So tell us a little bit then about this other world. So there's our world and there's this other world that Toby enters. And we'll hear a little bit because um, you're going to read a bit to us in a moment. But before we get there, just tell us a little bit about um, this other world and what it's like. So the other world is called Balthazar. And the main conceit is that some people, young people, have the power to turn their dreams into reality. And it's a kingdom. So the kings and queens of Balthazar rule it. And the current ruler is um, Regent Maladane, who has, who is an authoritarian ruler. And he has got the young people under his control. So they have to dream what he wants them to. And the journey of Toby through the world is kind of, is that, is that he comes in at a certain, at the, at the kind of boundary of the world, if you like, in the forests and the mountains. And he has to journey to the heart of the, of the kingdom, which is the, the castle where the regent is and all the dreamers, because he thinks that's the way that he's going to be able to get home, which is what his aim is. And, the other thing to say about Balthazar is that it arrived by by dreaming. So there were other people living in this land, and Balthazar kind of was magicked or, or dreamt into its position. So it's a colonial power as well. You mentioned the Wizard of Oz earlier on. Did you have that in mind at any point? <laughs> I, did. I definitely, definitely did. Yeah. So like the Emerald City. I mean, very different story, but nevertheless, journeying to the city to get home. Yes, that was my template to discover the world and to give Toby his journey. So, yeah, that was definitely part of the, how I structured it, if you like, because I do, pl- I do always do plot my stories. I'm kind of an architectural writer rather than a, a writer who discovers the story as they're writing it. That seems a very I don't know. I always think of that as a very intuitive and somehow authentic way of writing. So I, and that I would really love to be able to do, but I, I kind of planned this out. Mm. And Wisdom mm. was one of several influences on it. Yes. Mm. So that while we're talking about influences, and I may be way off beam here, but I had a feeling of Gormenghast as I was reading as well. I wondered if that was something that you'd enjoyed. I've read about 30 pages of it, like when I was a teenager. Somebody else said that, actually, a bit gormgasty is what they said. So perhaps it's in there a little tiny bit. It wasn't conscious. I was thinking a lot about the architecture. And it sort of comes from real places. The city itself comes from real places. And... Then I've kind of myself has like bashed it together with other things, you know, and created it a bit myself and then thought about, well, what would it look like? And, you know, done a bit of building myself. A lot of the names of your characters, they bring with them again. I I don't think necessarily the direct references or, or symbolic of those characters, but they bring with them a sort of history a sense of legend like Tamerlane 
and Tamburlaine or Balthazar yes. and we think about the wise men, you know, they're sort of old names that have a lot around them, even if you're not directly referencing that in your story. Yeah, I mean, that was part of it as well. And drawing on various stories and like, like for example, like started off as a medieval historian. So I, I read a lot of chronicles of sort of early Middle Ages in France. And, you know, that some of the like chronicles of the Franks, for example, and, and, and some of the sort of feuding and revenges and terrible ways that people would murder each other, that got into it as well. So I suppose a bit of a magpie. Mm-hmm. I'd love to hear a bit of the story, actually. Tell us about the bit that you're going to read. So the bit I'm going to read is the bit when Toby goes through the portal from our world into Balthazar. His mum and dad have have separated now and he has gone to live with his mum in a new town. He's left Alfred, his cat, behind back in London, but he's, he's walking home from his new school and he thinks he sees Alfred down this side street, down this uh, little lane uh, with wasteland on either side. This little street is called Angel Lane and he thinks he's seen Alfred at the end of it. So he goes to investigate into what he finds is a tunnel and, and following Alfred, he, um, that leads him into the other world of Balthazar. Angel Lane was empty and silent. Toby ducked under the barrier and dropped into the sandy trench. Squatting, He could see a short way into the subterranean passage, but not the end. Alfred? He crawled in. The ground was dry and grainy beneath his palms. Alfred, he called. The walls extinguished his voice. He had the sudden thought that it was a bad idea to be crawling into a tunnel. What if he got trapped? What if the tunnel collapsed? No one knew he was here. He would die. It had become completely dark. Soon he should be coming up against the slope of the railway cutting, but instead the tunnel went on. A draught of warm, almost hot air touched his face. His palms slapped mud. That was strange. Perhaps the trench was to fix a water leak. Perhaps he should reverse in case he muddied his uniform. But the thought of Alfred being in some kind of danger spurred him on. Toby smelled wood smoke. It got in his throat and made him cough. Then through the darkness came a soft roaring sound. Alfred, he called, and was cheered because he could hear from the way his voice echoed that the tunnel opened out ahead. He couldn't understand, though, why he couldn't see daylight. The soft roaring grew louder, and it was accompanied by a fierce crackle, and Toby thought it must be a train coming along the railway line, and that in a moment he would emerge on the slope. And something hot touched his face. He brushed it away. The roaring and crackling continued. It wasn't a train. There was a pattering now, too, that sounded like rain, but it couldn't be rain because it was a bright, sunny day. It must be the water pipe leak. Then a burning object, a black leaf edged with orange light, floated down the tunnel towards him. It hissed into his hair, and Toby smelled burning and had to pat quickly at his head to put out the flame. Toby knew he should turn back. He wanted to turn back. But Alfred needed him, and he crawled on quickly to get the rescue over with. Then he came out of the tunnel. Toby was not where he should be. 
He was on a slope, yes, but it was not the slope of the railway cutting, nor was it sunny. In fact, it was not even daytime. It was night and it was raining and it was hot. Not as hot as a summer afternoon, but as hot as if he had just stepped into an oven. It was also windy and smoky, and he was on a steep mountainside in a forest. All this was impossible, yet this is where he was. Toby's senses proved it, but worse than all of this were the flames. The trees of the forest were on fire. Behind the trees, even taller than the trees, was a wall of fire. From left to right, this firewall ran as far as the eye could see. The roaring, crackling sound was the burning forest. And Toby was no longer an angel lane, but in the middle of a firestorm. Mm. And he knows that he's in another world because at one point he says, this is not the lion, the witch and the wardrobe. <laughs> but he knows that he is in another world, which is quite unusual. Often it takes quite a while for these characters to work out what's happened to them. There are quite a lot of disasters, natural disasters going on in this world, aren't they? What can you tell us about that? So, yeah, I should have said when I was describing the world, one of the indirect effects of dreaming um, is that it kind of takes energy from the world and causes, it's causing a lot of the natural disasters that are happening in Balthazar. So there's the fires, there's floods, there's a big storm at the end. And in my head anyway, whether whether it's carrying across or not, I want this to link to Toby's mum's involvement as a climate protester. And for, you know, for, for there to be a sort of metaphor in there about the way in which we um, pursue our consumerist desires at the expense of the natural world. So there are lots of natural disasters and holes that are being created between Toby's world and and, and Balthasar are, are being created by these. That's another one of the sort of natural mm-hmm. or, mm. or problems that is being caused by the dreaming. Mm. And the dreaming, it's not that dreams themselves are bad, but these dreams are being controlled by somebody that wants power. And that's therein lies the problem. Yes. And because it's being done on, on such a huge scale, you know, in such a mechanical way just to serve power, and the, and the rich people who live in the castle that that's my you know my intention is there to to indicate yeah that's that's the cause of the problem yeah and it's quite interesting another theme in a way or idea that came across was the idea of becoming separated from yourself which actually happens yeah. with uh, one of the characters yes i thought that was quite interesting yeah I didn't think about it too much. Like I wasn't intending something with that, but it was more, that bit was more instinctive, I think. You know, I felt the pain of the character in that, or this sort of the inner struggle of of separation. You've you've contrasted the, uh, or or made a connection uh, between both worlds with the sort of climate activism and the natural disasters. There's sort of other parallels as well with uh, Toby and his life at school and the school that he finds himself in, in Balthazar, this kind of signet school. Yeah. That's quite, quite interesting too. Maybe just tell us a bit about the school. 
the dreaming school which is where the when you say the signets they they're, they're known as signets because the one of the key groups of the kingdom of Balthasar is the swan and so the little one you know the younger ones are called signets and they're kind of in various dormitories and then they all go to a, a central space where they have to undergo you know sort of lessons by rote and where they're taught to dream a huge sort of like a gym or like airport hangar sort of antithetical to dreaming isn't it really yes yes (laughs) dream on demand and here's the history book you're going to dream from or the science you know yes I was thinking a lot about the way in which children today in Britain are, are just so overwhelmed with testing and exams and pressure it wasn't like that in my day, you know. <laughs> but um, so I just, I, I, I suppose, yeah, I was intending that to be, you know, a critique of that kind of system that we seem to think is a good system to have and the lack of play and fun that children seem to get at school and sort of the burden that they're under. So I suppose I'm, I, I wanted to make various critiques in the book. Mm. Just as an aside, I want it to be a good, fun read, hopefully, mm. but to have some serious elements and, you know, to say some of the things that I think are, are wrong. You've talked a little bit about being an architectural planner. One of the things that I really noticed about your novel was how you keep the pressure on right to the very <laughs> end. Yes, yeah. I mean, I do thrillers and and crime novels and I want the reader to be wanting to race to the end and to get well not just race but to, to enjoy the journey but yeah to be held um and, and for the characters to be under under tension and under stress so I don't like it when it's overdone so I hope I haven't I mean I don't I hope I haven't overdone it but yeah I do want it to build and build and build and um to be gripping you'll be pleased and I'm not going to tell anybody what the ending is but Literally, you you won't know the ending of this novel until you get to the last page. And it is that idea that, you know, you've got a last paragraph and, and it comes to an end, whereas sometimes, you know, three chapters before the end and we have a kind of gradual unwinding and we can go to sleep for the last three chapters, but they're not going to do that with yours. <laughs> yeah. I do really like novels that do that, that just close with a snap, actually. So are there going to be or is there a possibility of more stories set in Shadowtown? Is that how you see it or yes, is the story yes. done now? Ooh, no, okay. no. I'm working on a sequel. I have got loads of ideas, actually. For this. I mean, I, I, I've sort of built a, a world in my head and I've jotted lots of ideas down. I've got a clear plan for the next one that I'm kind of working on now, which includes it's all the same characters. So Toby will go back. Toby's back and um, Tamerlane is still there. She has things to um, deal with and mm. decisions to make about her future. Yeah. And 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 so they're they're going to be in, sep- in Toby's back in his world. Tamerlane stays in hers, but there will be connections between them and, and they'll kind of um, influence each other's lives. So it's so it's going to be about them both. Interesting. Interesting. Richard, thank you so much for dropping into the reading corner to talk to me today about Shadowtown. I'm wishing you all the success when this is published shortly. Um, It's been lovely talking to you.
Thank you for inviting me. It was really nice that you that you did invite me. Thank you. In the Reading Corner is presented by Nikki Gamble and produced by Alison Hughes. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please do leave a review for us. To find out about other projects, including an audience with events and the Exploring Children's Literature Summer School, visit www.exploringchildrensliterature.uk. Join us again soon in the Reading Corner on your favourite podcast platform.